So, um, when we're studying this, these weeks, and there's interesting, this, uh, we're going to do something in the portion of Matos, something, you know, this week we have a double portion, it is Matos and Masay, two parshios. we're actually going to be finishing the book of Bamidbar, uh, the book of Deuteronomy, and we, um, Again, then we're going to start the next book, the book of Devar. Okay, yeah, so in a, in, a, in a way, the book of Matos Masse concludes the story, and Devarim is a repetition that goes Moshe Rabbeinu recounting this, that which has taken place in the past. So it's basically a review of the past. It's called also the Mishnah Torah, the second Torah, the double, the, the, the follow up for the Torah for the first one. Okay, so this is the um, portion of Matus. So Matus will talk something about uh, Matus today. Just to catch you up a little bit on the story, what we've been discussing about. So uh, the Jewish people were on their way to Israel and trying to go to Israel. But on the way to Israel, they needed to pass uh, some of the uh, kingdoms that were outlined in that area. And the Jewish people asked permission from some people to allow them to, to go through their lands. And, of course, you know, Esau didn't allow them. Some of them didn't allow them. God instructed them not to start up with some. So, and then there by the king of Moab. So then we learned the story about Moab. God instructed them not to start up with Moab. He said he's not going to give them away. Rashi explains they weren't allowed to make a war with them, but they were allowed to uh, sort of get them scared and things like that, but at the end of the day, the Moab was very scared that the Jewish people would come, because before that, there were the two powerful, uh, the uh, two powerful uh, kings, Sichon and Oig, Sichon uh, and Oig, Sichon uh, al-Chamoyer, king of Amoyer, they were powerful kings, and they started up against the Jews, and the Jews beat them all. So the people, all the other neighboring kings and neighboring countries, they were all got they all got scared from uh, from the Jewish people. So now the Jewish people are by Moab, and Moab is afraid that Jewish people are coming after him. So he hires they hire Balak, the king of Moab. He hires Bilam, Bilam to curse them. And then we have the whole story. Huh? Bilam, instead of cursing them, ends up blessing them. But before Bilam leaves, he says, uh, listen, we couldn't curse them, but I want to advise you, he said. I want to advise you something that you should do and you will be able to be successful against the Jewish people. He said to them that the, the Jewish God, he does not like uh, promiscuous behavior, un, unruly uh, relationships, and that will get God angry. If you can get that the Jewish men, for them, to sin with the Midianite women, 
that will bring the wrath of God upon them and they will be punished by God. So all the cursing in the world isn't going to do it, but just get them to sin. And once you'll get them to sin, then you will be able to be successful against them. And he was actually right. They had the Midianite, they had the Moabite women and the Midianite women, and they enticed the uh, Jewish men. And not only did they entice them to have a relationship with them, but as a reward for their intimacy, they bowed to their idols and they became part of, they worshiped the idols basically. So God was very angry. There was a plague. There was also some people that uh, died by punishment of the Beisdin. The Beisdin did capital punishment to some. We read in the Parsha all about that in the previous Parsha. And then there was uh, one particular story we read about Pinchas. Uh, there was one leader of the Jewish community who was the head of a tribe, and he brought forth a Midianite woman, and in front of everybody he defied Moshe Rabbeinu. He says, I'm going to have a relationship with her, and, uh, you know, Pinchas goes ahead, we'll see, and he takes action, he actually kills them both. He kills the man and the woman, he kills them. I'm not going to go into all the details, the legal details of that, that's all a separate story, but I want to bring out something today in the parasha, the follow-up to what happened to that, to that thing, with God's instructions. And in today's class we'll learn something very, very important, I think, that we can see how important is not to get angry and how important it is that even if sometimes things have to be said and things have to be done and many times it requires, it requires discipline, it requires uh, uh, to uh, control, to uh, make sure that it's safe, but all these things have to be done without getting angry without involving the um, if you get angry as we're going to see then you are bound to make a mistake when you're angry and you then you'll probably say what's wrong and you'll do what's wrong you'll make a mistake and then we're going to learn that even Moshe Rabbeinu even Moshe Rabbeinu our leader Moshe he got angry and he made a mistake and we're going to talk about that so the important lesson is that if you have to discipline a child, you have to discipline a student, if you have to have words with your spouse, but you have to take out the anger. Right? You have to take out the anger, and you just got to talk about it. We'll see something uh, very interesting that we think we can learn from the Parsha. But what happened over here was, God says to Moshe that I want to take revenge against the Midianim, what they've done, because they've caused the Jewish people to sin. They have caused a destruction and the death of thousands of the Jewish people. I want you to go and fight them. They chose, and after you've done this, God says, Moshe Rabbeinu, you can die. You will die after this. Now, this is already after his brother Aaron, who's a few years older than him, he's already died. And Aaron's son basically stepped in. He became the high priest, the Kohen God. His name was Elazar. 
and he was sort of the one that was sharing now the the platform together with Moshe Rabbeinu. He was the one that was helping to going together with Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu sends Eliezer, Eliezer with the older troops, and they go and they uh, destroy all the males, but they allowed for the women they allowed them to stay alive and when they come back and they brought back all the spoil and they brought back all the women they brought them all back to the to the to the Nezro from the Midian and they killed all their kings and everything else so they and Moshe Rabbeinu says got very angry he says did you let the uh, the women leave let the women leave but they're the ones that caused the destruction in the first place. Now, it doesn't say in the verse, like we find in another time, we find another time in the story, like we find by King Shaul uh, later on in the prophets, God told him to wipe out the Amalekim. And he didn't do that uh, because he left, he felt bad for the cattle and he... Uh, he left some of them, he had pity on them and he thought he did the right thing, but he came back he says, God, the prophet Samuel Shmuel tells him, well you defied God's instruction, now he said I meant well, you meant well, but you have to listen to what Hashem told you so over there, there's clearly, God told him to wipe out all the Amalekim over here in the verse, there's not so much details over here, God just tells him to take Revenge of the Midianite, but it's apparently that it's obvious from the conversation over here, from what takes place, is that Moshe Rabbeinu was angry because they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And he goes ahead and he sends them back to finish up what they were supposed to do from before. Again, the justice of it, and the, really, this is a whole other question. That's not the, my, uh, my lecture today, or the class today is not about about all the, uh, what, what the, the reasoning exactly to explain this. But the point here is that Moshe Rabbeinu got angry. And he said, why did you do so? And he told them, they went back and they finished. And then Moshe Rabbeinu is telling the Jewish people some of the laws that has to take place with this sports. Because inevitably, they brought from the uh, war, they brought all kinds of dishes and they brought vessels, utensils, they brought various different things as part of the spoil from the war. And he says that you can't just use these vessels like that. So there is, first Moshe Rabbeinu tells them that in order to make the vessels pure so that they will no longer be defiled, because these vessels were in the battlefield and if a corpse touched these vessels, that would render that vessel tame, impure. So you need to purify. How do you purify? You put it into the mikvah. But there's also, when we talk about a, touching a corpse, you also have the ashes, the water sprinkling from the paraduma, the red heifer that we learned in the beginning of Chukas, in which there was a special procedure, which on the third and the seventh day, you sprinkled a little bit water on the vessel. So the first thing he tells them to do is that they should take those vessels that they brought from the war and they should sprinkle the water. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu tells the Jewish people to do. Then the Pasuk, the verse continues, and it says, 
Elazar continues to instruct them. Elazar says, not only do you need to sprinkle that water to clean it for the purity, but there's another procedure that you must do. He says, what you must do is also you must get rid, if it's utensils that were used for food, you have to kosher them before you can use them, which means if these utensils have absorbed non-kosher food, food that was prepared in a non-kosher way, non-kosher meat or things like that, then you will not be able to just use it for kosher because the uh, what was absorbed in the walls of the keli, in the vessels, will come out into the kosher food. So you're going to be having something non-kosher in your kosher meat. So what is the way to do it as we do today? This is the source for koshering. He says you have to kosher it, and it depends if it's a vessel which is used with fire, you got to put it through fire, water, water, he tells them that you have to kosher it. He tells them what to kosher it. And further, also, he tells them again that you have to immerse it in the mikvah. There's two uh, interpretations, but there's a lot of laws here and a lot of uh, information here, but we'll leave it at that. But the question here is, it seems a little strange when you read the verse. First we find Moshe Rabbeinu telling them about the laws to purify the vessels from its impurity, from the fact that it touched the corpse. And then we find another rule which Eleazar tells them that they have to kosher the vessels and they have to purge it so that it could have all the swallowed parts of the uh, non-kosher that's in the walls, we can have it all come out so that it will no longer, uh, so that it won't make anything else non-kosher when you use it later on. But the, 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 the strange thing over here is, what happened to Moshe? How come Moshe Rabbeinu stopped in the middle? Moshe gives them the laws about the sprinkling of the water on the dishes, but he doesn't give them the, spring, the laws of purging and, and, and koshering the... That's done by Elazar. What happened to, to, uh, to Moshe Rabbeinu? Why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu teach this too? It's sort of right in the middle of the sentence. So Rashi explains, because Moshe Rabbeinu got angry, he forgot the law, he made a mistake. When you get angry, you make an error, you make a mistake. Rashi says he got angry. He got angry, it says, you see, Moshe Rabbeinu got angry. So he got angry, so he actually forgot the law, so he didn't know. So he needed Elazar to come and say, well, this is the law that God has told Moshe Rabbeinu, because Moshe Rabbeinu shared it before with Elazar, but Moshe Rabbeinu himself made a mistake. And Rashi points to three other cases in the Chumash where Moshe Rabbeinu got angry, and then he made a mistake. One of them, the first one we learned earlier, was with the story when they... Um, when they erected the Mishkan for the first time, they took one of the goats and they burnt it. Moshe Rabbeinu objected, says, why'd you burn? Why'd you burn the, uh, the goat? You should have eaten it. But it says there that Moshe Rabbeinu got angry. Do you know what? Moshe Rabbeinu over there made a mistake as well. Because that goat was supposed to be burnt. Another time, it says, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later on, another time, 
when it came to beating the rock, to getting the water from the rock. So Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to the, speaks to the Jews and he says to them, listen here, you rebellious, you're teachers, you're teaching your teacher, you're telling me what to do. There was, was an angry voice, Rashi. So he made a mistake, he hit the rock instead of doing it. Rashi says that if you, make a, if you get angry, you're going to make a mistake. And that happened to Moshe Rabbeinu. So what we're going to do is first, let's go quickly review through, we'll go around the table, we'll review the story in the Chumash, and then we'll discuss a little bit from the Rebbe's talk and an idea about this whole concept of getting angry and how anger can lead you to make a mistake. And who that's not Moshe's personality? Well, Moshe Rabbeinu had to deal with a lot of stress, with a lot of pressure, and with a rebellious group of Jews in the desert and lead them for 40 years in there besides his experience in Mishraim. Only three times getting angry is the credit. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> recorded here that we have three times that he only got angry three times. That's not so bad. But yet, but this, I think that is the powerful lesson from here. What I think is that Moshe Rabbeinu is actually justified in getting angry. And Moshe Rabbeinu but it shows that still, even if you're justified, you're, still making mistakes. you're going to make a mistake. So it's not so much, sometimes anger shows on a lack of trust in God. It shows on, um, we'll, we'll learn about that. It says that one who's angry is like worshiping idols. If you get angry, it's like worshiping idols. So what's the equation? Why is it considered like worshiping God, getting angry? So one of the explanations, Al Rebbe explains that um, a person needs to realize that everything is divinely ordained. Everything is divinely ordained. Everything is, in Yiddish they have a word, they call it bashert. Everything is bashert. Now, a lot of times uh, we don't plan things and we wish they were different or we think they were different but it's bashert it's bashert and that's the way it is we spoke already many times that there's a lot of conditions a lot of situations that we're, we, we don't have control over them and uh, that's just it's just the way it is and, um, and therefore uh, we can either get uh, very angry we can be um, um, getting feelings of uh, resentment and, uh, and uh, becoming a uh, bitter, uh, angry person. And, uh, or you can say, uh, well, it's Bashert, you know, I mean, that's it, accept it and move on and make the best of it uh, and the best that you can. So, what um, the Rebbe says that a person needs to know that everything that happens with them is bashert. Bashert means it comes from God. And notwithstanding the fact, let's say somebody wrong did you wrong or insulted you or hurt your feelings, said bad things to you, did bad things to you. Uh, they, they, those people are responsible for doing, for choosing the bad, for making bad choices. 
they have to um, they have to answer to God and they have to answer to their conscience for what they've done wrong to the other person. So it's not their reckoning about the other person. They have made bad choices. They have to, they have to answer for that. But the person who was hurt needs to realize that that was Bashert, you know. So it was it was God God it was God's call. And God allowed them to do this to him or her was because that's what God wanted to happen. It doesn't nothing happens in the world without Hashem wanting it to happen. So that's how the Alter Rebbe explains. If you get angry, it's like worshiping idols because you're sort of saying that it's not Hashem's doing it, that somebody else is doing it, and you're saying that there's other forces besides God. There's no other forces besides God. And it helps you a lot of times. It helps you overcome the situation when you can't help it, that instead of becoming miserable and resentful and angry, you sort of, you know, accept it, and then you move on. And uh, you say, well, this is another test for me to see if I can handle it, and hopefully we can handle it and we can move on. But that's a very, you know, you need a very strong belief system that everything really comes from God. So why did the other person have make these bad choices? Because that was God's, what God wanted for you. Now, he doesn't have to be the agent. He has to, he doesn't have to do it, or she doesn't have to do it. But if they've done it, that means that it had to happen, and it's Bashir, and that's God made, made, made it for you. So, that's one way of not getting angry. But when I look at this case over here, as we're going to read inside, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu actually seems like had a good reason to get angry. Matter of fact, and it's, it's, it's a little bit surprising because uh, I was going to bring it down at the end, but look at the in, the, in the last, in the second page that I gave you, okay? Uh, so, see what it says over there. The second page, all the way in the bottom of the page. So it says, we're going to read the, 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 the other part, but I just want to show you this. It says, Pinchas, the son of El Azar, right? The son of Aaron, the Kohen, has turned my anger away from the children of Israel by his zealously avenging me among them so that I did not destroy the children of Israel because of my zeal. So Hashem is saying that he turned away my anger right, from the children of Israel by his zealously avenging me amongst them. Now, look at the Rashi, and I quote next page. By his zealously avenging, Rashi says like this, he's avenging my vengeances by his releasing the wrath that I should have released. So, it seems that Pinchas is being praised over here for getting angry and releasing the wrath that Hashem wanted to release. So this was actually the biggest plus. God is praising Pinchas and God is thanking him and saying because your anger and your wrath against the uh, Midianite or against the killing the, uh, the Nasi with the, with the Midianite woman you actually, your anger 
and your zealous and your vengeance actually saved the Jewish people. So you have to wonder for a second, so why is God all of a sudden angry at, at, at Moshe? Moshe is also getting angry. Yeah? Right. How does that fit in with what you said before? I mean, you said everything happened, God allows it to happen. Then why is God mad it happened? Oh, okay. So, okay. So, but I, uh, I um, prefaced it by saying the person who makes a bad choice is still accountable. Is accountable for the bad choices. God can be angry for people for making the bad choices. All we're saying that the person who feels that they were hurt have to or shortchanged. They have to realize that that was Hashem's plan for them. That does not excuse by any uh, any uh, stretch of the imagination the person who did it. They ha- they have to. They need to account for what they've done wrong. That's why. So the Jewish people, God could be angry with them for doing it. But over here, we're talking about God is angry at Moshe, or we're saying that God, Moshe Rabbeinu is making, it doesn't say God got angry with Moshe, I shouldn't say that, because it doesn't say that. But it says that Moshe Rabbeinu made a mistake because he got angry. But it almost seems like God was praising and bestowing blessing on Pinchas for being angry. angry. So why is God, why is God, why is he making a mistake? Pinchas is angry that someone had done a terrible sin and shamed God. It was an anger that's not just getting no, angry. No, what is it? We'll see here. Same thing, Moshe. Moshe Rebekah was angry. Was angry that they didn't, that they allowed for them to live when we're going to see that and we're going to see in a minute. But the difference was, it doesn't say that Pinchas was angry. It wasn't an anger emotion. He acted, acted on God's anger. It's some, you have to act. You have to do what you have to do. But you have to do it without... The anger, without the emotion, you have to do it because you have to do it. If you're going to discipline your child, you can't do it out of hate, out of anger. At that moment, if you have an issue with your spouse, don't say it in an angry way. When you're angry, just don't say nothing. Then go walk away. When you're, when you calm down, then you can say it and you can talk about it. But if you do it when you're angry. Sometimes you have to do so. On the contrary, anger today we don't. Yeah, today, to today. No, it's okay sometimes it's to act like if you need to discipline the child. Yes, but without the emotional anger. So the, you have to do that. That's not, not, not as we'll see. As we'll see this in the Hebrew. and uh, and if you do, you make a mistake. Getting angry makes you a mistake. But besides that. That's on a very uh, simple level, but many times in life we get angry over things that really at the end turn out that it's not something which we should have been angry about in the first place. We're, 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 ang- what? Thank you. we're angry about different things that uh, perhaps we perceived as something negative, we perceived as something uh, difficult, something, and then at the end, you know, we realize, you know what? Sometimes we're angry in our lot. Sometimes we thought we think we deserve 
better, maybe, you know, uh, I'm stuck in a situation which, you know, we don't know, you know, and you get upset and you get angry. But then you realize that actually your situation may not be a reason for anger. And, you know, you reason, and, you know, a lot of things in life upset us at one time or another. I'm wrong. If I'm angry, I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's. Why don't we do the verses inside, and then we'll continue to discuss a little bit with what the Rebbe says. Okay, so why don't we um, start with? Uh, Want to start, Nancy? Start with uh, with the for, Okay, start from the beginning. Okay. So spoke to Moses, saying, "Take revenge for the children of Israel against the Midianites. Afterwards, you'll be gathered to your people." So God is basically saying that once you do this final war, then you're going to die. Hashem is saying to him. Okay, next. The Lord spoke to the people, saying, Arm from among the men to the army, that they may be against the and carry out the revenge of the Lord against me. So this is, this is God's instruction to Moshe, and now is Moshe telling it to the, uh, to the Jewish people. But what I pointed out before, there is no clarity in this verse who exactly, it just says, take revenge from the Midianite, then you will die. And Moshe says, go and give the revenge of Hashem and the Midian. There's no articulation here, there's no specifics. Men, women, this and that, just take revenge from them. Okay, continue. A thousand for each tribe, a thousand for each tribe, from all the tribes of Israel shall send into the army. So here we had an, a, an exact uh, proportion, each tribe sent 1,000 people, all for the war. Okay. From the thousands of Israel, one thousand was given over for each tribe, twelve thousand armed for battle. So now we have twelve thousand. Okay. Moses sent them, the thousand from each tribe to the army, them along with Pinchas the son of Elazar the Kohen, to the army, with the sacred utensils and the trumpets were sounding in his possession. So that was been with Pinchas. That went with Pinchas. I said there was but there was Pinchas, Ben Elazar went to to the war. Okay, continue. They mounted an attack against Midian, as the Lord had commanded Moses, and they killed every man. Continue. And they killed the Midianite upon their slain, Levi, Rakim, Zer, Ur, and Biba, the five kings of Midian, and Elam, the son of Beor, and Beor they slew with the sword. So they're all, they get Midian, they got Bilam, they had everybody, so they <laughs> took care of it. Okay. Next. The children of Israel put the Midianite uh, woman and the small children captive, and they plundered uh, the beasts, uh, livestock, and all their possessors. Possessions. So they took everything away, they took and they took the woman. Continue. They set fire to all their residential cities and their castles. They took all the booty and all the plunder of man and beast. Man and beast, meaning this is the women. That means of humans. Okay, continue. They brought the captives, the plunder, and the booty to Moses and to Eliezer, the Kohen, and to the entire community of Israel in the camp in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. Moses, Eliezer, the Kohen, and all the princes of the community went up to meet them outside the camp. Moses became angry with the officers of the army. The uh, commanders. And commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds who had returned from the 
So here you see it says Moshe became angry. Moshe became angry with the officers and the reason is because when you're angry, you're ang- get always angry with the leader, Rashi explains, because they were supposed to lead the war the proper way, and they did, so he got angry, okay? Moses said to them, did you allow all the females to live? They were the same ones who were involved with the children of Israel on Balaam's advice to betray the Lord over the incident of Peor, resulting in a plague among the congregation of the Lord. So how could you have let them, let them live, he's saying, okay? So now kill every male child and every woman who can lie intimately with a man you shall kill. And all the young girls who have no experience in any relations with a man you live a life for yourself. Okay, okay. So, okay. And you will camp outside the camp for seven days. Whoever killed the person who touched a corpse they should clean. Rashi explained the captives don't have to clean. Only if they become Jewish they have to clean, otherwise they're not they're not tome. So we spread that, that each one anybody who came in contact with a corpse. Rashi, there's a lot of uh, details over here to this loss. Why were the young girls allowed to be killed if they could become adults and then have well, the as captives they turned in, they turned into Jews later on eventually uh, they belonged they became the possessions of them of the nation okay good I'm sorry um, good. oh yeah all 20 yeah all garments leather articles any goat product in every wooden article shall undergo purification okay so this is purification it's talking about the sprinkling now who said all this if you go back this is all follows. Huh? This is Moshe Rabbeinu speaking. Right? This is all Moshe Rabbeinu but speaking. They didn't really do a terrible thing by many of the women stay alive because Moshe says the young girls can stay alive. Yeah, but the what Rashi points out actually that all those women were pointing out and saying, well, I was with this man, I was with that man, and they were sort of uh, pointing out to them. That's what it says. The, the verse points to that, that they were sort of uh, you know, uh, showing off what they did. Okay. All right. So continue. Yeah, your turn. Who says you? Eliezer the Kohen said to the soldiers returning from battle. Now all of a sudden, Eliezer comes in here. Eliezer the Kohen says, "You okay? This is the statute that the Lord commanded Moses. So he's telling what Hashem said to Moses. That he's not telling him. Now Moses isn't saying this. Now he's saying it. What does he say? Blood. Blood. Okay. <laughs> whatever, yeah. Uh, whatever is used in fire, you shall pass through fire and let it be clean. It must, however, also be cleansed with sprinkling water, and whatever is not used in fire, you shall pass through water. This is the basic rule of koshering that we know. Like a stove, an oven, which you use with fire, you need a kosher with fire. If you use it with water, you kosher with water. This is the basis for that. So he's telling them now the laws of koshering, okay? Your garments on the seventh day and become ritual clear. Afterwards, you may enter the camp. Okay, 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 okay. So afterwards, you may enter the camp. This is basically the end of 
This is the end of the story in the Chumash, in the portion that we've just read. Now, let's read Rashi's commentary. Oh, so one second. So let's see, Eleazar the Kohen. So Rashi comments, it said before Eleazar the Kohen, that Eleazar the Kohen is telling them. Eleazar the Kohen. So you want to read? So read, okay, what does it say? Eleazar the Kohen, since Moses came to a state of anger, he came to error, for the laws of purging Gentile vessels eluded him. A similar incident happened on the eighth day of the investitures of the Kohanim, as it says, he, Moses, became angry with Eleazar and Itamar. He came to a state of anger, so he came to err. Similarly, in the episode of, now listen, you rebels, and struck the rock, through anger he came to err. Okay, so here... We see, Rashi says this, that he, uh, anger brought him to uh, make a mistake. Now, the question the Rebbe raises over here, is Rebbe asks two questions over here. Uh, question number one, the Rebbe asks, if this is the case, this is a message, how come in the previous cases we don't find uh, Rashi saying this, that, well, he was angry, he made a mistake. Only here, Rashi says, he was angry, he made a mistake. This is the first time, this is the third incident. Over here, Rashi says, he, he was angry, he made a mistake. But the last two times when we read about it, Rashi doesn't give us this principle that when, you, when he um, got angry, he made a mistake. And then another thing is, what, what, what kind of a mistake is it really, at the end of the day, over here? Um, Moshe Rabbeinu, essentially doesn't seem like made a mistake because look what it says it says for the laws of purging gentile vessel, vessels eluded him eluded him means he forgot about it he didn't he didn't know he forgot about it that doesn't mean a mistake Moshe Rabbeinu did not do a mistake over here Moshe Rabbeinu forgot something okay well, uh, if it wasn't Moshe Rabbeinu, one would say that he got older so <laughs> at this time. He forgot something, but not Moshe Rabbeinu. But it's different. You see, Rashi uses like seemingly contradictory words. Rashi says, Moshe came to a state of anger. He came to err. Err means he made a mistake. But a mistake and forgetting doesn't seem to be the same thing. A mistake means um, you did something wrong. But if something eludes you, you didn't do something wrong, but rather you've just forgotten. And you've forgotten. Your judgment is clouded by the anger. You're just thinking of the anger. You're not thinking of the right thing to do. But you didn't do anything wrong, though. So so Moshe forgot, and Allah remembered. But where is Moshe Rabbeinu's mistake? So when you talk, for example, about the rock, he smit the rock, he made a mistake. He was, he was supposed to talk, that's a mistake. Moshe Rabbeinu said, why did you burn it? That's wrong, he was wrong, he made a mistake. Over here, it doesn't seem that Moshe Rabbeinu made a mistake. He seems like he forgot. So he, it was just the lack of... Did he really make a mistake? The really explains he but made a mistake. if he would have forgot, if they would have used it, not the kosher way, that he brought them to a mistake. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. He's yeah. polite. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you make a mistake because you forgot. Um, so um, let's say um, you do one thing. Let's say you're supposed to take two medicines and you take one medicine. Or let's say. So, if one doctor tells you take one medicine, he forgot to tell you about taking the second medicine. So the second doctor, okay, you could call that a mistake because if only on the first doctor, you would have only taken one medicine and you would have said that it's okay. So that is okay. Okay, that's, 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 that's a good point, but there's even a stronger point to be here. The Rebbe argues, Rebbe explains it even more. He has a, a, an interesting approach. Rebbe says that it wasn't just that Moshe Rabbeinu forgot the law. He forgot the law and he was under the impression or he, his mistake was that sprinkling the water suffices for both things. In other words, Moshe Rabbeinu did not forget that there is two parts to the bringing that vessel into making it kosher for use. He knew that it was impure because it touched a corpse. He knew that it was used for non-kosher food so that we needed to get rid of that. That much he knew. But what he forgot was what is the process to making it useful? So when he forgot, it's not that he forgot the laws that it was not kosher food in there, but he thought that the sprinkling of the water can accomplish both. So he prescribed like the wrong medicine, or he said that this one medicine is going to heal you both things, but no. So that's, that's forgetting made a mistake. And the Rebbe explains rationally. What was the mistake over here? Because when a vessel touches a, a corpse, the entire vessel becomes tummy, becomes impure. Now, how do you fix the impurity of the entire vessel? You don't immerse the vessel in water in a mikveh, which the body of water touches the entire vessel, but rather you sprinkle some of the water. That drops that go on the vessel only hit various different parts of the uh, vessel, but yet the entire vessel becomes pure. All of the vessel becomes pure through the drops of water touching just small areas of the vessel. So Moshe Rabbeinu was under the impression at that time because he forgot the law that by, he reasoned just like the little water can sort of absorb all the tuma, which is the impurity, which is the whole vessel, that water should also be able to accomplish that it should draw out also everything that has been absorbed inside that water. So actually forgetting the law was actually a mistake. And Rebbe explains that uh, this was actually a mistake on, on Moshe, he forgot and he made a mistake. The other two incidents weren't really mistakes in the sense, even though Moshe Rabbeinu was wrong over there, but Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't obviously wrong, he was wrong. Sometimes, you know, when we have a debate, you know, one person has one idea, 
and the other person has another idea. Then there's the ruling. Always the Talmud is full with various different opinions. There's one opinion that says so, and another opinion says differently. So when you have differing opinions, different opinions, then the ruling is one way. doesn't mean that the person whose opinion is ruled against his opinion was wrong, was he totally, he wasn't speaking nonsense, God forbid, he, he had a good, he had reasoning, but ultimately it's not the halacha. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Um, so could it be that now Moshe Rabbeinu was short-sighted in, because they had the water from the ashes of the red heifer, but he didn't think ahead to a time when there would not be able to be found a red heifer and the ashes and the water so that there needed to be another means to kosher something in the future. Okay, that's, a, that's an interesting point, but on the simple level, we're, they were just discussing what to do right now versus what has to be for the generation, which was a later another law. I mean, they were trying to figure out that's not, but that's an interesting, an interesting observation. But as far as the as far as the, uh, let's say, the issue over there, what was in the portion of Shemini about uh, God has allowed for a korban, for a sacrifice, to be eaten with bodily tumor for a specific korban. The issue was, does that extend to all the korbanas, to the non... There were special korbanas for that day, and that they were permitted to eat while they were impure. And uh, Moshe Rabbeinu thought that just like they were allowed to eat the other ones, they were allowed to eat that, but that was not really... He was wrong. They were supposed to burn it. So that wasn't... You can't say... It's not obvious that because Moshe Rabbeinu got angry... He made a mistake because it wasn't really... He miscalculated. It was... His idea didn't carry through in halacha because that's not what God really wanted him to do. So it was a miscalculation. But you can't say he made a... It was an error. He, he didn't know... He didn't do the halacha to that extent. Same thing is when Moshe Rabbeinu beat his stone. He, Moshe Rabbeinu had some, uh, you know, had some good reasoning... Uh, last time he beat the stone, maybe this time he should beat the stone. Can't say that because of the anger he got, it's not an obvious mistake. It's only, the Rebbe explains, only after in this case, this was an obvious mistake for Moshe Rabbeinu. So as the Rebbe explains, it's not like Moshe Rabbeinu told him one thing and then he stopped. Moshe Rabbeinu basically was saying, it's only one thing necessary, you don't need to do anything else. And so he adds, it's not just that he told him half a story and he didn't finish it, but he said, he's like saying that all this is what you need to do is this, this is going to take care of all of your problems. That is actually a mistake because, but once Rashi sees that a mistake is brought about by anger, so Rashi says, you know what? Now, in retrospect, these two other cases also are associated with the fact of anger. And, but as I said in the beginning, to me, when I read this, it seems to me, on the contrary, in a way, it seems 
that in this case, Moshe Rabbeinu's anger was more justified than in the, all the other cases, because the point of sending them to the war was to avenge for the Midianite for the destruction that they caused. And if the Jewish people did not adhere to what they were sent, then they missed, they didn't do what God wants. So it seems like Moshe Rabbeinu was very justified in getting angry. But how do they know? Were they told beforehand? Apparently, he blamed them because they went back and they did it. They wouldn't have done it without God's permission. So what Moshe Rabbeinu didn't make it all up by himself. So, and he blamed them for it. And so they should have done that. Now, okay, we have to start calculating. Why didn't they do that? Did they think that Moshe Rabbeinu was wrong? They, had, they felt bad? They didn't want to? They didn't understand? Not sure exactly what went on over there. It's anyone's guess to try to figure out exactly what went on. But what we do see, Moshe Rabbeinu, and I, like I pointed out in the Pashas Pinchas, Pinchas was supposed to take action. So the action over here wasn't the mistake. It was only the anger was a mistake. In the other cases that we talked about, Moshe Rabbeinu's mistake was actually in the part that he got angry about. In other words, Moshe's anger wasn't justified. Over there in the case of, in the first case at least, in the case of when they brought the, uh, they burnt the goat, and Moshe Rabbeinu was upset for them burning the goat, and he was upset about them, Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't justified in his anger because they were supposed to burn the goat because they were right, Moshe Rabbeinu was wrong. So over there, Moshe Rabbeinu was not justified in being angry. Also in the second case, in the second case, Ray Rashi explains over there, the Jewish people were being very obnoxious. And when Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to find the rock from which to give the water, the Jewish people said, hey, what a difference does it make? Any rock, you know, just, if the rock is going to give water, who cares what kind of rock? Just give us the water and that's it. And, and Moshe Rabbeinu said to them, and over there it actually doesn't say Moshe Rabbeinu went angry. It doesn't say in the Pasuk that he got angry. Over there, just the language he used, he says, Oh, teachers, you're, te- you're, not, you're, telling, you're telling me what to do. You know, he says, can I take out from a rock which God didn't say? Is this just, that's not hocus pocus. It doesn't just work like that. It has to be the exact rock which God has told us. I'm not going to take out water. How can I take out water just a rock? Over there, the anger is not clear. I think the message that Rashi is pointing out to us is, you know, getting angry and you're making a mistake in a place where you shouldn't get angry, maybe that's an obvious thing. That's not everything. But Rashi says over here, in our case, Rashi says he was justified in his anger. They made the Jews were wrong, and they made a mistake, and he blamed, not all the Jews, he blamed the leaders over there, and he was justified, and he was doing it to protect them. Yet, the Pasuk says, Rashi says over here, because you said that, that's why you made a mistake. So he was justified in his anger. So how much more, I'm thinking to myself, is a lesson to us, that even when we're justified in our anger, and in in the case we're justified, but it's not what we're saying to you, don't get angry because uh, trust in Hashem or you worship idols. We're saying to you, don't get angry because when you get angry, you'll make a mistake. 
and you'll regret it later on. You'll say the wrong thing, you'll do the wrong thing, and then later on, you will be sorry for what you did. So we're not telling you, you made these sins because you got angry, made a mistake. We're not telling you, uh, trust in God, you know, be, in a, we're telling you, if you're going to get angry, you're actually going to make a mistake. And I think in our lives, we can all find examples in which we got upset and angry on someone. And I and I this is absolutely yeah. true. And then, you know, and the anger, you know, and then in that time, and I could confirm that too, uh, that, uh, you know, in very interpersonal relationship and with people, with other people, with bosses, with under you, with spouses, with children, with all kinds of situations. You close your eyes and count to ten. And, and, but we know and all say, we're saying is even, no, even if I'm right no that's not it even if I'm right don't say it with anger don't anger because what it causes in the other person is also just a reaction to that and then the other person says but if you're not angry you can say the whole same thing without anger and you will actually get your message across but if you say it when you're angry, you're actually wasting your time and you're making mistakes. So I think that this is an important lesson, something hard to, like something hard to follow. What do they say about Moshe yeah. Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu is Moshe Rabbeinu. Because, because they're using role models so that we will understand. It's more powerful when, you, when it comes from somebody who is so great. And even him, if, if it happens to him, then... That's, that's, right. that's, yeah, a, that's a lesson. But a lot of, we have to understand, why does the Torah tell us about these things? Not to tell us that Moshe Rabbeinu made a mistake, and not to tell us that Moshe Rabbeinu got angry, to tell us that there's a lesson for us. That's why this is recorded. So, if we actually use this to better our lives, then we learn something from the Parsha. But if we just pass by, we say something happened to Moshe Rabbeinu, then we haven't learned anything because we haven't applied it to ourselves. If you don't apply it, then what have we done? So it's not yeah. so much don't get angry. It's if you get angry, don't act on it. Wait till you're calm. Or you're think where it's coming from. Not only act on it, your anger will blur your judgment. Right. right. Now, in this case, you see, in different cases, we see different things. In this case, you'll forget something. So something happened as a result of that. But, but in the other cases, actually, it's very more acute because the anger that... I, I mean, in the, in the, in, again, in the case with the rock, your anger led you to doing something wrong. So you, because you're angry, you're, your mind got confused and you did something wrong. In the other case, he got angry, but uh, the anger uh, led him to, you know, figure things out the wrong way. You know, getting angry, figure out the wrong way. You don't think straight when you're angry. Okay, so, but, but, but in, in the first case over there, if Moshe Rabbeinu should have, instead of getting angry, he should have said, wait a minute, I'm not going to get angry. Why did they not... Why did they burn this thing? And then, it seems like, then he would have realized, oh, you know what? Probably this is actually the right, the right way, that Hashem only told us to eat 
the Kotche Shishah, what we have to do that year, but not the Kotche Doyrus, not the Rishchidosh. Sorry, that's a whole technical thing over there. He, he, he would have stopped, he would have, he would have, his judgment would have been, would have not have been blurred. So, what, what happened over there is, he got angry. You see, the, the, the reason I'm quetching a little bit over there, it seems like he got angry because of the mistake, not he made a mistake because he was angry. Over there, it seems that he, got angry he, made, he, he, he made a mistake, and that's why he got angry, because he made a mistake, and that's why he got angry. You see, versus the other cases, he got angry, and then he made a mistake. Like in our case, he got angry, and that's why he made a mistake, and he misjudged. Over there, it's, it's, it's... But the truth of the matter is, so it seems what it's saying is, had he thought differently... But instead of getting angry, he probably would have sort of gotten the idea. Or maybe even if you think the other one is wrong, don't get angry. Just say it and discuss it, and then you will see. But it's, it's, a, little, it's a little bit different. It's a little different. So maybe these are all also additional reasons why Rashi doesn't say it all.